Welcome back. We're about to read chapter 11 tonight. We know Aliyah has been warming up to Nina. Let's see what happens next. Chapter 11. Days passed. Nina had no idea how many because nothing happened with any regularity. Sometimes the guard brought food. Sometimes the guard pulled one of them out for questioning. Sometimes Mateus decided that they could light a candle for a few minutes, but only for Elia, only when he thought she needed it. Nobody knew when any of those things would happen again. Other than that, they could, they could measure their time in the prison cave only by how many times they got sleepy or thirsty or needed to go to the bathroom. None of those needs were easily satisfied. Their bathroom was just a corner of the cave they all avoided as much as they could. It stank mightily. They had no bedding at all, not a single pillow or blanket. Sleeping on wet rock only left Nina damp and stiff and more tired than ever. And when they were thirsty, they had to go to the dampest part of the cave and lick the wall. The guard never brought water. Mateus got the idea to keep one of the cloth bags the food had come in in order to soak up as much water as possible. He told the guard they dropped the bag over in the bathroom corner. He won't come in here and check, he argued in a barely audible whisper. And he was right. Mateus put the bag at the bottom of the damp wall where the water dripped constantly. When the bag was saturated, he carefully squeezed the water from the wet cloth into Elia's waiting mouth, and then Percy's, and then a few tr precious drops in Nina's. Nina choked and spit it out. Yuck! she screamed. What? Elia asked. It tastes terrible, Nina complained. The water was unpleasant enough, like straight from the wall. It tasted like rock and sulfur and distantly some kind of chemical Nina couldn't identify. But from the cloth bag, the water tasted like rock and moldy bread and old, r rotten, dirty bag. Maybe even somebody else's vomit as well. It's water, Mateus said. It will keep us alive. Nina didn't say anything else. But after that, she went back to getting her water straight from the wall a drop or two at a time, and let the others squeeze all the water from the cloths for themselves. Nina suspected that the other three kids had had a much rougher life than she before they were captured by the population police. They didn't seem to mind the darkness like she did. They didn't seem to mind the lack of food. They didn't complain about the stench of the bathroom corner. Well, they all smelled bad themselves anyway, so so did Nina. Nina tried as much as possible to sit close to the other kids for body warmth and to keep the guard from tattling on her again, and maybe to learn something. But several times she woke up from a deep sleep and found that they'd moved to another side of the room and were whispering together. There was a draft over there, Aliyah would say. We got cold, but you look comfortable. We didn't want to wake you. It sounded so innocent. Maybe it was innocent, but it still made Nina mad. I will betray them, she'd think. That'll show them, and I won't care at all. That was when 
She'd moan something like, Oh, I miss my family so bad. Who do you miss? Even Eliah wouldn't answer a question like that. And later, facing the hating man, Nina would be glad for the other kid's silence because with his piercing blue eyes glaring at her, she knew she wouldn't be able to keep any secrets. She felt like he knew she really was an ex-nay. She felt like if he asked, she'd be forced to tell him Grant's full name and address. Whether she wanted to or not, she'd describe every single one of her aunties down to their last gray hair and give their civil service ranks and departments. Fortunately, he never asked about who had hidden her. He just asked about Eliot, about Percy, about Matthias. Give me more time, Nina would beg. I don't know them yet. Though secretly, Nina thought she could spend centuries in the prison cave with them and still not know anything about them. Percy was like a rock, hard and unyielding, revealing nothing. Matthias was no more talkative than a tree. Even Eliah, who looked like the weak spot on their team of three, was quiet more and more, polite and nothing else. Time! Time! You've been in here for days! The hating man ranted back during one interrogation session in the middle of the night. How long does it take to say, my parents are so-and-so? What are your parents' names? For one terrifying instant, Nina thought he really was asking her her parents' names. Against her will, her lips began to pucker together to form the first syllable of her mother's name, Rita. My mother's name is Rita. My father's name is Lou. Gran's name is Ethel. And I am... Nina bit down hard, trapping all of those words in her mouth. The hating man didn't seem to notice. He was pacing, facing away from her. He continued fuming. Even first names would help. Even initials. You've got to give me something. He hadn't been asking her for her parents' names, he'd merely been telling her the question she was supposed to ask the others. Nina's heart pounded out a panicky rhythm that made it hard for her to think. What if, what if he doesn't care about my parents' names because he already knows them? What if he already knows about Gran and the aunties? Is that why he never asks? Nina frantically tried to remember if she'd ever breathed a word about any of her family to Jason. She hadn't, had she? Talking to Jason, she wanted to seem exotic and desirable. A grandmother and a bunch of old aunts didn't really fit that image. The hating man was done pacing. He whirled around on his heel, put his face right up against Nina's. They were eye to eye, nose to nose. You cannot play around with the population police, little girl, he said. That's how people die. Nina quivered. The man stalked out and slammed the door behind him. Nina sat alone, terrified, in the luxurious interrogation room. The table in front of her was loaded down with bowls of food. She'd been eating ravenously during their conversation. Perhaps because it was the middle of the night instead of midday. The foods were snacks, not, re not a real meal. Mostly things Nina had never tasted before. Popcorn, peanuts in their salty shells, orange cheese crackers, 
raisins in delicate little boxes. Nina was still starving. She was always starving. She couldn't think of a single time in her entire life when she had her belly completely full. She could not, but she could not bring herself to eat another bite, not with the hating man's threat echoing in her ears. Still, she forced herself, she found herself reaching out for a bowl of peanuts. She watched her own hands lift the bowl and pour its contents down the front of her dress, making a bag of her bodice. She cinched her belt tighter, holding the peanuts at her waist. She'd barely finished when the guard opened the door. He's done with you early, I hear, the guard growled. Back to the cell with you. Nina stood slowly. None of the peanuts fell out. She crossed her arms and held them tightly at her waist, keeping the belt in place. She took a step, then another, and nothing happened. The peanut shells tickled, but Nina didn't care. I'm stealing food from the population police, Nina thought. I'm getting away with it. Walking back to her cell, Nina did not feel like a girl who'd nearly, nearly betrayed her parents, whose beloved gran and aunties might be in danger. She did not feel like an illegal child with no right to live. She did not feel like a lovesick, silly teenager who'd been betrayed by the boy she'd fallen for. She did not feel like a potential traitor to her own kind. She felt giddy and hopeful, crafty and capable, all because of the rustle of peanut shells under her dress. And that is the end of chapter 11. Well, she's getting bold stealing food, but she's not doing so well at getting to know the three kids. Let's see what happens next. Post your titles.